With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another VRL USA podcast. This is Alan. I'm joined by Sid, who... um, may be with us more or less for the first few minutes. Um, there's a bunch of things going on at his house there. Um, I've got Robin from um, the UK who is on his phone after his computer blew up. And I've got Raul from Spain. So welcome, everybody. Happy to to talk to everybody. This in what in California is a rather overcast afternoon. Hello from a, a very sunny England for once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't really do so, it. Sounds like the uh, ideal uh, coronavirus podcast right here. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we were saying, we're all, um, yeah, we're, things are, I think for most of us beginning to lift a little bit. And I, and I guess what we really want to talk about is the, League now is um, really has a plan for restarting, um, and Villarreal, as are the other teams, are practicing um, more as as a group now. Um, more people in a group, and we've had our first significant injury of the whatever you want to call this thing preseason. <laughs> Um, oh, with like postseason, isn't it? <laughs> yes, postseason. Pre. I mean, I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know who wants to. Who wants to? Maybe let's start with Royal, and you can kind of tell us sort of what the latest is on the league reopening and how people are viewing that in Spain. Well, uh, it's quite simple. People were more, let's say. Uh, thinking about where the testing is coming from because we don't have so many so maybe we are at risk so what's more around that people want to see more football they are screaming for it they want it right so they are very happy about this they all make some points about you when you had the league normal season you would always go to a bar to watch the game right now that's impossible to do you can't do that so it's more uh, concerned about what will happen with all that mm-hmm. and what will happen with the fans because uh, a lot of clubs haven't said anything about what they will do with the fans that that, that they have season tickets. Sure. They will be refunded. They will get discounts for next season. Nobody knows. It's it's and Villarreal have not said, have they? No, they don't no. have said anything. But since they will do some discounts, 
but they were already doing that so it seems that they will try to do uh, discounts for more people and that's it right mm -hmm. now seems that goes that way but they haven't pronounced yet not mm -hmm. like other teams that have already said what they are gonna do well right. other nothing Villarreal at least you know they, they are looking into it but they don't have an answer Mm -hmm. And and Raúl, one one question: Why why have they decided that they're going to play matches at each team's stadium rather than you know, what we're hearing a lot in the U.S. and I think there are some rumors about in England is centralizing where the teams are playing for sort of ease of management and being able to track player health. Um, And also just operationally, rather than managing 20 different stadiums, you only have, say, one or two sites. Well, I think that could boil to a lot of things. I don't think they have looked it too much. The second one is the stadium. Since a long time, you can see that, for example, for the final of the Copa del Rey, they are always booking the same stadiums. So you would have there a problem as a lot of teams wouldn't be, let's say, interested on playing, for example, Barcelona wouldn't play in the Real Madrid Stadium as the home team. It's something that they wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you look at stadiums that are now uh, without a team, you have La Cartuja in Sevilla, but it's not the best place to go as it would be very hot and sunny when you are gonna play. And the other one is Monjuic in Barcelona, but I think that they're not looking into it. I don't know why. Maybe mm. aesthetics, you don't know. It's, I think they were more like we are gonna do it. Every team in their mm. home mm. stadium, the, mm. the way team will travel there, play, and leave. So, well, part of it may be also that you don't have you don't have in Spain a setup where it's like in the U.S. You have a lot of college football stadiums you can use for football. You have um, spring training grounds for baseball that you could put a number of teams in an area and have a bunch of stadiums to play. There's nothing like that in Spain. And you do have the regional issues, as you say. The, I can't imagine Real Madrid being happy about playing at Montjuic, for example. Um, I can't imagine um, that, as you said, Barcelona would want to play in, in Madrid as a home game. Um It just, there's just a lot of history there that, and particularly the rivalry with those two that I think makes it hard. Yes. I would like to also point about what you said about the stadiums that yes, because here in Spain, every team would always have their own field that would be on their town. And teams, when they started to become bigger and bigger, they could build what we know as Ciudad Deportiva so you have there a lot of fields to play but let's not forget that all Spain is different 
and north have a lot of rain, but in the south there's little rain, so a lot of teams will prefer to go also with artificial turf, which is not allowed for La Liga. Mm. So most of Ciudad Deportivas tends, tend to have one field or two that are the same size and same grass that the home field, for example, uh, Estadio de la Cerámica and the mini study are the same size, same grass. But at the same time, you will have more fields which are artificial turf and they are used by the cantera. Mm -hmm. So let's say you don't have so many places to play. Right. Because, yeah, because you don't have so many fields that are uh, adequate for this. Also, Tebas likes to go to bigger stadiums. So I don't think they would like to go, for example, to a field in Spain that is also market for playing uh, eight-a-side football. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, to me, the right, thing... But, but yeah, okay. but of course, there are going to be no fans. So, you know, the part of part of all the discussion about stadium size and where you want the venue is really about fans. Um, my my example I was going to point to, Alan, is more like what the NHL is thinking of, which is that they're planning to put all of the teams sort of playing each other for the first couple rounds of the playoffs in one area. Mm -hmm. um, and so, for example, a place like, just say, Villarreal, where they have two fields where you could play, presumably, you know, if you are on a schedule of every three days playing matches, that, you know, you have two fields then to use, you have some training areas to be used. Um, and in a sense, actually, the fact that the hotels are, you know, actually 30 miles away means that people aren't sort of lingering around the area. Um, and so it, it just seemed like a thought. I think that the biggest thing I can think of, though, is that the distances in Spain are just not the same. No. So it is more feasible to do something like every three days playing when you have, even if you had to go north to south. Now, of course, travel to and from Mallorca is definitely, you know, is, is definitely challenging. Right. I, I think that, I, I, I guess it really comes down to, in a sense, how well you feel you can control your environment. And I think most of the teams probably feel as though, I'm sure the players feel, as though I'd rather be at, at home, I'd rather be in the place I'm used to preparing for a match and then travel to play it if it's an away game or go to our ground which is empty and play it if it's a home game but it feels more like the sort of um like the sort of uh schedule you're used to and then the main risk you run is you know the travel to and from the to and from the stadium yes but that's something you can fairly easily control i just think it would be difficult to Yes, you probably could if you spend enough time at it, figure out a way to make, to, to have maybe say four regional centers where you had, where you had games. But I think the logistics would just be really nightmarish. And I guarantee you that no matter what you did, you'd have the Barcelona fans protesting that Real Madrid were getting an advantage and Real Madrid protesting the other way. 
So, <laughs> you know, I don't think you'll ever get away from that. I suppose also to consider is that it might actually just be cheaper to have a sort of smaller stadium and an AstroTurf or a, or a pitch rather than having a whole stadium just, you know, even if you're, even if there aren't fans there, you still got to turn the whole stadium on. So it, it would be cheaper just to have a kind of general, fair, general pitch, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I suppose it doesn't, in the end, it doesn't really matter. I just like, I like all the stories and the different kind of ideas that all these, Stadiums around the world have come up with different ideas to kind of make up for the fans. So I think I saw one in Denmark or I can't remember. I think it was Denmark where they've got like electronic screens for all the fans just to kind of join in by Zoom. I'm just thinking if some, some players aren't so great on the shots, one bad, one bad ball is going to break one of those screens very quickly. <laughs> also like the, um, I also like the career where they put like sex dolls in the place of where all the fans were. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I don't think that was quite intentional, but yes, that was in Korea, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Right now, uh, what Robin said right now, I think another reason why they are going with their home fields, maybe because as they are already prepared for what you need to broad, broadcast, broadcast yeah, right. the match, Mm-hmm. You will have to do a lot of construction on the other fields because they are not prepared for that. Most, there's even fields where I'm not sure if they are prepared for a single camera recording all the action. Mm-hmm. That's, so, I mean, I, you know, when you watch our, our, um, Villarreal TV, um, when they broadcast the B team, for example, that's all they have is one stationary camera. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the nice field of Ciudad yeah. Deportiva. Imagine mm-hmm. how it would be to broadcast from the other ones. Yes, that's right. I think I, I think it it it's probably the best that can be done. I know that there are various ideas out there for what to do if um to make the I saw something this morning that suggested that La Liga is going to provide two possibility of two, two feeds that one will just be basically like when you watch um some of our highlights from the B team and all you have is the sounds from the pitch, right? And then the other one is going to be with some piped in crowd noise or something. I I don't know. I, there was there was also an idea that we would have that you could have like you could tweet through the game and those would be posted during the game and I can't imagine that happening. It's, it's just going to be very interesting. But I think it's it's a good point to say that I am so excited to have football back in my life. I just I know this can sound very pathetic if anyone's listening that isn't really into football, but I can't imagine why they'd be listening to this if they did. Right, but, like. I've just missed it so much and I'm always kind of like in a way quite excited over the summer to have a whole football until like September and then the season will probably start again. I can't imagine they'll delay it again. So it's, it's, it's going to be like having the World Cup again, which is quite nice to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I know there's a whole threat to life and stuff, but I think a lot of people have really missed football in their lives and they've realized how much they liked it. You know, I mean, we all vent our relate our, our problems through football. You know, we get frustrated by our team and stuff, and that's how we vent our frustrations. But there must have been so many couples and so many people have broken up because we just haven't had football in our lives. You know, it, football stops war. So, um, right, right, yeah, it, that's true. It's it's um, it it is. I think I think everybody has concerns about you know what happens if 
if it doesn't work out, you know, what happens if there are new infections and so forth. But I think everybody is excited um, to see how it will work out. And and Spain seems to have, you know, from what I see in the statistics, they seem to have rounded the corner on this thing. And so it does make sense to try to start again. The um, And, you know, I let's let's see what happens. I mean, the teams are... The teams have been busy practicing. I haven't seen any evidence of new infections among players or staff or anything. So, you know, fingers crossed that it that it works out. And then it's it's going to be a little bit. I, I mean, I I found the other day I was trying to remind myself, okay, where are we in the table and who do we have left to play? <laughs> you know, it's 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 weird switching your having switched off your football brain for a while and now turning it on again. I've been watching all the old Villarreal games, so I'm basically going to be watching the game thinking, where's Forlan or where's, you know, where's Raquel? Why aren't they on the pitch? Um, just because I've been sort of having a mental breakdown when it came to Villarreal and been watching some of the really strange old games. My favourite one's definitely been the Everton Villarreal. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. The, the, Sorry, that was just an absolute classic for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, so when the when the camera pans over to show Javi Kaleha, you're going to say, "Wait a minute! I thought he played." <laughs> thought he, he's I, gone through a very strange self isolation. <laughs> he just suddenly looks suddenly looks like Manon Pellegrini, and he's playing really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's going to be good. I, I've really, really, really missed it. But how, how do you two feel about our, our squad preparation? For I mean, I'm, I'm just so excited to see Bruno back. I don't know if he's going to be kind of go straight into the squad or he's going to be eased back in. But I think a player, I suppose, at his age and with, like we do with Santi, it's better not to ease him in. It's kind of best just to go straight in, all guns blazing sort of thing. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Raul, what, what are people in, in Virial saying about Bruno and, and, uh, and, and all of this? Well, let's say that would be a bit of a surprise that he returns to play normally as he has been a lot of time out. And he has already an age, which is very difficult to return to the same uh, pace you had. Because one thing that right now is something we're also waiting is for the injuries, as they have been a lot of time without uh, training and playing. And Bruno has been two years if I recall so that's a long time it is I think um, yeah I'm sort of I think that I think the whole injury question is is um, is a is going to be a big question and from what we've seen with the Bundesliga starting up I think it's safe to say that teams aren't exactly in you know the the matches aren't exactly like they were before the break i mean teams are still sort of easing into um i don't know if i would say fitness but sort of just getting their heads and and minds back in the game and getting back to full tilt i don't you know i i think bruno um he his game has never been about speed. It's always been about kind of um, positioning and intelligence. And so, 
you know, maybe throwing him out there right away and seeing and giving him a chance to play is the best thing. I don't know. It doesn't feel to me like you're like uh, sort of bringing him in slowly and easing him back into the team and all of that is necessarily um, going to add a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the other question that, and maybe we should, could segue into the one injury that we've had already, um, which was Funes Mori, um, who is out for, I can say the remainder of this season. Anyway, he's, he's had a, out for three months, I think. So that suggests, you know, one idea that somebody had, um, was moving Ibora to a, to a center back position, which might not be terrible. Um, that would open up more room for um, Bruno to play in the middle. Yeah, I, I quite like, I almost like the idea. I imagine Ibora won't be happy about that in the same way. I don't suppose Mario Gaspar would be too happy about playing center back. I mean, in the sense, we have still got Paolo Torres, who I think he should be all right. He's yeah. relatively young, and him coming back from having a bit of time out won't be too damaging on him, younger limbs. I think, and, and Raul Albiol, again, he's older, but I think he's, he's all, like, it's like you said, almost like the same thing with Bruno. It's like, as a centre-back, it's not so much about fitness, really. You know, you're, you're not always running, and you're not always... I know centre-backs do get injured and stuff, but it's not quite the same as having a striker or a winger whose whole sole game is pace, and if you're off the pace, then you're buggered. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so I, I think I, I like the idea, but I, I, I think he'll stick with Paolo Torres and Raul Albiol for a while, and then Ibora may be the centre-back. But I, I can't see him sort of rushing rushing into that role for Ibora. I mean, Ibora has got still got a key role to play, and again, obviously... They've now got Bruno going for that possible role as his as well, and you've still got Zambo in there as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. you arguably you could put Zambo as centre back. It's, it's quite. A, I mean, I wouldn't, but wouldn't um, it, well, it, right, it'd be a desperate situation for us to, to do that. I think anyway. Well, we do have. I think Powell is one yellow card away from a suspension, and I'll be all two maybe. I I can't remember. Of course, I think Bora is only one away also. So, um, you know, you, you do want some, we are going to be playing matches every three days. And so you're going to need, you're going to need some rotations more than you normally would because of that. And then you're going to have the suspensions to contend with, even if you have no other injuries. So I think, you know, we, we have to pretty much, the, the squads are, are expanding to, what is it, 30 from, is it 30 players? I can't remember, but, so we can call up some B teamers and whatnot in there, but I think it will be the teams that, that should have an advantage of the teams that can really sort of rotate their, um, their squad, um, fairly effectively. I think teams like Mallorca, for example, which don't have a lot of, a, a lot of excess players are going to be struggling. They'll probably get people off the streets to come and join them, like 11 side players. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, should, should take your boots to Mallorca. <laughs> I was thinking that would be a good idea. Good yeah. way to get a contract. <laughs> it's nice and sunny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what about playing Bruno at center back? For somebody coming off a long layoff, given that the needs of the team are there, you know, mm. it's at least you know, sort of playing him at central midfield in his position, the idea is that he's able to sort of see the game a little bit, might be able to a little bit better. Again, I wouldn't 
push him in there from the outset. But like you said, suspension and injury is bound to happen. And yeah. I would think would think we trust him more than Chukla, um based on based on evidence. Yeah. So. Yeah. Bruno ever played back? I seem to have a memory of him kind of like going back there at some. I believe he. I believe he did. And Raúl, you know better. I believe he did some through his youth team career. Uh, actually, uh, his youth career, he normally was also an attacking midfielder. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, That's hard to imagine he, now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but because. Uh, when he left Villarreal at youth, he went to his town to play, and there he was so superior to the rivals that he used to play more on, of an attacking role. Mm, mm. But that's because he was playing at a low level, basically. Right. He, he could play center back, actually. He, the, all of the names you have been throwing out, Iborra have never played there, if I recall, in any team. Zambo, I think he also hasn't played there, but Bruno has some experience there. Maybe could work, maybe couldn't, but would be maybe more interesting that trying to create a center back from someone who don't have the experience. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I. I. I, th- I thought I remembered him playing back, playing center back. Might have been one of those situations late in the match where we were we were essentially yeah, emergency kind of thing. Yep. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Where it was almost um, we went well, to three and, center and back. And one thing, just, yeah. Sorry, Alan. One. One other thing on Bruno, though, is also remember his contract is up, and. So, you know, again, if he does actually harbor longer-term aspirations, it's not an uncommon move to see players as they get older move in and play at a position like center back where, again, it is tends to be a little bit more man-to-man content, con, you know, combat and you're not uh, ideally in a position where you are exposed as sort of the last man back and somebody is running at you directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so may also just be something from a, hey, we'd like to see how this goes to see what we think of him long term. Um, and, and I did want to say, though, though his pace is not sort of what he relies on, Alan. The one thing that I did feel with Bruno was in the in the sort of way he plays when he makes a mistake, like he did, I think you'd recall at Anfield where he lost the ball in a very compromised position. And it led, I believe to the third goal for Liverpool. Yes. Um, but it's just a very sort of, he, his, he, he is very reliant on being able to make quick decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to have a lot of rust to shake off. So putting him in a more exposed position, like in the pivot, particularly playing with the guys who he's playing with, where he's going to be the more defensive of the two players he's with, um, you know, there there is some risk there, you know, that you, you damage his confidence if he's not physically where he is mentally. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a that's an interesting point. And yes, I do remember the Anfield thing. I think the thing about his game that's always been the best is has always been his sort of um I would say uh his quick his quickness to read the game and, and read that pass that he can make or, or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I send her back with the one-on-one challenges. Um, he's, he'll have to learn to get rid of the ball quicker. I mean, I think he, you know, he's certainly used to in, in the midfield, um, taking his time, you know, that sort of leisurely, 270 degree arc around the ball before he hits it isn't going to work <laughs> in at the center back position. But it's an interesting thought. And, and as Raul said, he's played there before, unlike some of these other people we've mentioned. So I mean, after watching all these all these games that I've I've been covering uh, like over the last few weeks, where it's looking at some of the really good seasons, I just remember how 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 great his performance was alongside Trigueros in that centre midfield. Like that was. That was the best 4-4-2 we ever had was when Bruno and Trigueros really kind of blossomed. Mm. I'm not saying that's going to happen again now, but it's going to be slightly interesting to see how we're going to line up if if he was put into the lineup in the defensive midfielder role. Because obviously you've got Santi there as well and Trigueros. But some of the games I was watching, you, you had Santi Gozola basically on the right wing and you had um, kind of Bruno and there was someone else in the centre of midfield, uh, probably Senna or something. Um, mm. But that was that was quite an interesting. I'm, I'm just and obviously it wasn't long at times. as Kayeka was like part of some at times part of that range. So it's gonna be interesting to see how he kind of integrates Bruno into there, really, if 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 he does play. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm so excited about the season going on. We, have you seen any of the sort of transfer rumours? The only one I've seen recently for us was that um, like Chelsea apparently wanting Sam. Um, Samuel now because of um, Dortmund, Joe Sancho is apparently out, outpriced. So apparently oh. Chelsea are back in the lookout for Samu. I don't know if that's true. Hmm. I hadn't seen much of anything recently, no. But then I have. I haven't been as attuned to transfer rumors as normally. But um. Hey, and and Raúl, one one question because this is something that's also been out there. Do we do we think there's any merit to the idea? that something sort of more nefarious has been going on with Bruno and that his absence over two years has not solely been injury related. And so that, you know, the discussions of his return here again, maybe are just kind of a smokescreen thing and maybe he does never play. Is, is there some truth to sort of all of that discussion that there's just something else going on that's not been solely injury related? Well, uh, I haven't heard anything like that. Here, people have always talked really great about Bruno because he was a humble guy. He was, if you look at his career, he was playing at Primera Regional which would be the sixth level in the Valencian community. And he was also working. He was, uh, uh, I don't know right now the word. Uh, like a bricklayer or something, wasn't he? Yeah, a bricklayer yeah. and also mm-hmm. in a mine. Mm-hmm. Working in a mine, yeah. 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 I think business. business. Um, he's got a business or something, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he had some business there. So, ah, 
No, a mine no, a, a quarry. A quarry. A quarry, okay. He worked in a quarry. That's from where he went to Villarreal. So, people have always talked really great about him and about how his family is and all that because uh, he comes from a very small town, so people will talk. And I haven't heard anything about Nefarious. More like he was, his injury was more worse than he thought, but nothing more. So we don't know. I don't know nothing. And I, I get along very well with one of his former coaches and I haven't heard anything. Hmm. Okay. It, it, it was interesting to me that there was an article maybe, I don't know, four, five months ago now, um, at least in EPM, where Senor Lizarraga sort of made one of those references like, I don't, you know, I don't know that that's, that sort of made me wonder, but I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't heard anything. It seems it's, it's a bit odd to me that after a year and a half of not really making progress, you know, then he went to this one doctor that he chose who did something and it, now it seems like it's a lot better. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what the story is there. And as, as with a lot of virial injury related stuff, you know, you don't, we don't really have a way to, to look at it, but it, it, it is odd that he, had this discomfort that came back for so long and now he seems to be okay, which is great. But you kind of wonder like, well, why didn't you get that diagnosed a year ago? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm even wondering if maybe he knows his injury is really bad and he wants to have some last minutes and he knows that right now the pace won't be the same. Mm. Mm. So maybe he would like to also have that last minute on, let's say, an easier place. Yeah, okay. That's an interesting thought because mm. certainly the pace won't be, won't be what it would. Now, you know, there's no, there's no fans in the crowd, but at least you'd still get photos of him, of him no, playing. Yeah, but I was thinking more of the pace of uh, pace because uh, for an elite player we would be talking about four weeks to reach al- at least a good fitness point mm-hmm. four weeks at the same time I'm used to work at lower level and there I can tell you that there are some players that with only one or two weeks start playing a league because Mm -hmm. the demand of the physical demand it's not so up it's not so hard so I think that right now when La Liga returns we shouldn't be expecting to be the same level that we were seeing before maybe a bit slower a bit lower maybe some teams like Madrid or Barcelona will be making big score lines like for example Bayern Munich is doing right now mm-hmm. I think we could 
Chi, things like that. And maybe, I think that maybe Bruno sees this as his last opportunity to have some minutes at the elite level. Oh, huh, that's that's an interesting hypothesis. That's that, yeah, okay. And it makes sense. What, I think what, that's, a, that's a good idea. Yeah, and what Adurit sadly did not get. Um, yes, so. yes, yes. Let's let's take a brief break, and then I want to sort of segueing into where we think what sort of football we expect we'll see when it comes back and and maybe what we should expect from Villarreal. So let's take just a really brief break and then we'll come back. Okay, so you, I think you made a good point, Raul, that, you know, certainly in the Bundesliga right now, I mean, Bayern Munich is sort of winning every match 5-0. Should we expect that sort of thing from La Liga? What sort of how do we think Villarreal will do in this new matches every three days, expanded rosters, extra substitutes? I mean, are, is that an advantage for us? Is it a disadvantage? What do people think? I don't know who wants to go first on that, but and, and pick any of those five questions to answer. But, but uh, uh, okay, I, uh, we're all we're all fighting for a place now. So, Raul, <laughs> if you want to go. <laughs> Hopefully VRL can fight for higher places like this. So uh, yeah, Raul, if you go ahead. Well, I think that once the first thing I want to say is that having one more soup doesn't mean that they will use it, as they have been ingrained to use three. So I think that while it's a change, it will be a change if it keeps happening all the time for the next season to have so that extra sub and you won't return to the three rule. But if you will return to the three rule, it's a change that we won't see too much. Villarreal, I'm kinda afraid because they have a lot of problems in defense. Funes Mori, it wasn't, let's say, the best defender of the team. But right now is another center back that you won't have to use because he's injured. So what are you gonna do? You don't have too many options out there and the B team doesn't also have too many options. So what will happen if another center back gets injured? If you look Bundesliga, as you said, you have that the injuries have raised up around 226%. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you should also think about. So right. I, I think Villarreal will end more or less where are they now. I think achieving... Uh, the uh, Europe spots will be very difficult, not impossible, but I think more or less there. Mm-hmm. It feels it feels almost as if we need somebody ahead of us to really struggle. I I don't think I can see us saying, "Oh yes, we've got a team that's built for this sort of three days, uh, three day." 
playing um, interval. You, you make a good point about the about the extra sub. It could be that that coaches will pretty much keep that extra in their pocket more or less in case of injury more than anything else, or in case they, you know, maybe say you start you're starting um, Powell and Albiol for the third game in a row, so it's the third game in nine days, and you realize at halftime that Albiol is knackered, so you make a sub then. I mean, I can see that type of thing. Um, I don't know, Robin. What do you? What do you? I'm going to try well, to do this. I'll call on you. <laughs> without being, without risking of being called the uh, overly positive one again, um, which, which I am. Uh, I kind of. I hope that basically because every team is in the same situation and players, no players, even it doesn't matter how rich they are, they've, they've probably not all been able to train nonstop and do all the fitness in the gym at home anyway. So I'm hoping that we're kind of all in the same situation. It's almost like a kind of uh, pre-season. Everyone's just kind of finding their way and we're working it all out and stuff. So I'm hoping that we kind of just fall into it and just try our best and see what happens really. But like I said, I'm kind of, it's not like, we're at a massive disadvantage compared to other players, uh, other teams. We're mm-hmm. still kind of coming in this fresh like other other players. And also you've got to think that, I mean, although players haven't actually been playing, they have had a break. They have been able to refresh. Um, and I'm just kind of linking it to more like almost like the World Cup. So it's the same similar kind of timescale for players at the end of their season. They have a bit of preparation time for the World Cup and then they go straight into the World Cup. So I'm kind of seeing it a bit like that in the sense that they been able to sort of train and have a bit of a break and recover a bit and then they might just come in all guns blazing because I know I know when I'm playing football that if I don't play football for a long period of time I really really miss it and I come out all guns blazing and I play a lot better mm-hmm. so I don't know it might be it might be actually kind of a positive again being overly positive um we might have a risk of injuries we might have too many players um not enough players but at the same time, we can give it a shot. So, I mean, I almost like if we are worried about Raul Albiol, it might be better to get one of the B team centre backs to come in and just sort of form a partnership with Paul Torres straight away and use Raul Albiol as a kind of substitute centre back in the sense to bring, bring him on to kind of secure up the squad rather than sort of starting him. But like I said, I'm just going to kind of go in here with quite optimistic and try and hopefully that we're not kind of too disadvantaged compared to other teams as well. So. We'll see what happens. Uh, I agree, though. I think we will struggle for the European places, but I think we'll still stay up, which is, again, very, very positive. But hopefully that that, that won't be a, a risk of us going down or anything. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, Alan, what what do you think? Well, I think, you know, I, I think it's hard to look at it and see that we're at a at a real disadvantage. Um, I, I do think that the injury to Funes Mori hurt because as Royal said, even though he's not the best defender, he was a warm body out there. Um, I don't really, I sort of feel fairly neutral about it that I, I think the teams that'll really be disadvantaged are some of the teams that just were basically making up their rosters with loanies and, and whatnot anyway, and just don't have a lot of extra maneuverability. And I'm thinking especially of, you know, clubs like Mallorca, I guess, would be the best example. Um, I also think that the other teams that are going to suffer might be a team like Abar, which tends to play really, really well at home because they get a lot of energy from the home crowd and that won't be there. I mean, we may actually have a bit of an advantage in that people always complain that um, the Ceramica is sort of a – the fans don't 
make as much noise as they do in a lot of other places anyway. So maybe that's not maybe our home advantage that we're losing is not that great. I don't know. Sid, what do you what do you think? Yeah, so I think it's a big it's a big point that in the Bundesliga the home teams are losing a lot. So I think they're actually maybe a disadvantage um, to to playing at home uh, in this environment. Mm. Um, yeah. Alan, you may want to go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I'll jump back in in a second. Yeah, okay. Just a second. I was just going to look and see why you were. That was an interesting point. I was just going to look at our at the La Liga table as far as we had played it to see. Okay, so the so the clubs that had done best at home, um, not surprisingly, were well. Barcelona was the absolute best by far. Um, Real Madrid had eight wins, and then there are a bunch with eight, which include Granada, who are right below us in the table, um, Valencia and Atleti. They all had eight home wins. And we had six from 13. We actually have played, um, we actually played better on the road than most of the teams ahead of us. That's reassuring. Yeah, well, you look at the teams right around. Okay, the top five, um, Barcelona, Madrid, Sevilla, La Real, Hatafe, they all have at least five home wins. In fact, Barcelona, I mean, five away wins. In fact, Barcelona were the lowest with five. Then Atleti, Valencia, Granada, Osasuna, Levante, I mean, everybody else have no more than three except us. We have five. So, you know, if, if, if this format favors you playing away, the fact that we've been a better away team anyway, does that, than most of our competition, does that help us? I don't know. But it's, it's an interesting point that in the Bundesliga, if teams, um, if we're finding that the home advantage is not very great, um, does that make, does that, uh, help with, uh, does that even things out a little bit more? No, no disrespect to the, the, the German I, league. I, mean, I but think, I it, think it, it Munich, we're always winning anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Sorry, Sid. Yeah, sorry, Sid. Cool. No, I, I was going to only say that I think it really hurts the teams battling relegation. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think because that that's where you're really losing atmosphere and environment. Um. So I think that it may be more of, you know, the rich get richer and the teams definitely currently in the relegation zone I would be pretty concerned for getting out of. Um, mm-hmm. I think in in our squad and I think sort of more generally uh, – more generally, you know, the teams with more depth are going to do better. Mm-hmm. So – you know, being able to rotate. And, and I think the irony, and we talked about this when we were looking at, at the squad and our season before all of this, uh, even though we do have some depth, we haven't played people. Um, so I think this is going to force Kaye had to have to use his squad. Um, 
But I think like we talked about center back, I think I'd be really concerned as well if something happens to Gerard or Paco. Um, because we, you know, Baca not being used, uh, we are we are pretty light on sort of fallbacks if we need goals. And as you can see, goals are definitely going to be up given that, you know, the defenders are going to be behind the attackers in terms of the preparation and strategy. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's certainly, I think, likely to be true, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll just rely on Fernino to be our saviour again and just come on and <laughs> score the goals, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think that's a, that is a general risk. It's a quite ironic as well, considering we spent the whole season saying that we've had too many strikers and not enough defenders, and now we've got neither. Um, so it's quite, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I, I mean, I don't know. We'll just see how it goes. I, I, for me, I'm just relieved to have football back so they can get as injured as much as they like, but as long as I have football to watch, I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I know you're joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, Roel, what do you think? Are, are, are we going to, is this going to help us, hurt us? What, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, the, the atmosphere is very important. Mm-hmm. Those teams tend to uh, feel less tired. They are more motivated. It's not the same that you get one early goal, for example, and instead of having some people cheering for you, you have absolute silence. Mm-hmm. It's not the same, so I don't really know what what will happen because it's something that I think teams like maybe Athletic, for example, could see they start to have some problems there because they are so used to this, while maybe teams that have the known come pipas like Cam No tends to be a bit like that. Mm-hmm. Will be maybe some different. Mm. I mean I don't I have a hard time picturing right now uh, a match of Barcelona at Cam No with nobody. I I'm, I'm just thinking about that. I to me the teams that I think will be most affected by it, I look at yeah, I think maybe the Basque teams could be, I don't know so much about La Real, but certainly Athletic Club, Osasuna, you know, when they play at home, they really feed off that home crowd. And the El Sadar being that fairly compact ground where you, you feel like the fans are right on, are right next to the pitch. Abar is the same way. I think those are the teams that may have a hard time, um, the, the teams are going to have to motivate themselves because they're not going to get that that feedback from the crowd. Um, you know, the, the, uh, jokester in me wants to say, well, Hatafe won't be bothered then, <laughs> but you know, I mean, who knows? I, I don't, I think it's going to be very difficult for the teams fighting relegation because usually what happens is one or two of those teams. And you think about us struggling last year, you get the crowd behind you. You get your you get your fans traveling to to the way matches to support you. None of that is going to happen this time. Or if I'm fair, all depends 
on the team that is playing to avoid relegation because if we normally joke about that that once the team is going down a lot of people will start to uh, jump ship good yeah. so you know, and I don't know how many teams Getafe, the joke about Getafe was when they were starting to go down and the joke was that nobody was caring about Getafe mm -hmm. so I don't know it's it's very important. The fans are very important for this. Yeah, they don't bring so much money right now. The TVs are the ones that are putting the money more than fans. Mm -hmm. uh, we have talked about Villarreal, for example. For Villarreal, is the 10% of the budget is from merchandising and the rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very low. Yeah, it's some money, but it's very low compared to how much you get from TVs. But that atmosphere, that energy that you get from fans won't be there. Won't be when you are traveling. Nobody will be waiting for you at the airport. No, nobody mm -hmm. will be uh, accompanying the bus when you go to the stadium. Right. Yeah, I suppose to, 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 on the only flip side I can see of it is that all those players that have low confidence that are always being shouted at by fans and a lot of grumbling, they're not, not going to experience that. So we might see some players really, really blossoming and really doing really well because they won't be having all this negative feedback and all the shouting and the chants and stuff. <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying Gareth, Gareth Bale will lead La Liga in goals. Yeah. <laughs> and then he can celebrate with Welsh flags and golf sticks as much as he likes and no one will really care. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah. But well, that's the only positive. I can't think of anything else more positive to say. <laughs> no, I think you're, I think you're right. I think, I mean, Raul is right that even in, you know, when you're a football fan, part of what makes makes it certainly in England, I think less so in Spain, but getting more so is, is the, is the traveling to support your team away, which won't happen. And there is that sense of, you know, waiting for the team bus to show up at the ground and cheering the players as they go in and all of that stuff. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it is going to be different. It's going to be weird watching a match from anywhere without fans. I think the Ceramica may be a little less than something like Camp Now, just because the Camp Now is so vast, but you know, I can't imagine watching a match from the Mastaya that's just completely <laughs> devoid of, of fans. I mean, it's it's going to be a new experience for all of us. So, um, I'm gonna just say one thing: with a lot of matches seen in Romania and a lot of women's matches from Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. I'm to have more people playing the match than watching it at distance. Yes. Mm -hmm. I recall one match in Romania, only 10 fans in attendance. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I've, I've certainly seen, um, matches in, um, non-league in England where you have more, well, you know, maybe you had about. I was about just about it. to say, I, I've seen, I've seen games where there's just one man and his dog watching a team. Yeah, That's like a kind of hardcore fan base for them. <laughs> Matches like that, for example, uh, Women's League in Belarus, I feel 
without stands, so nobody is watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's very no, knowing, knowing most players. That's uh, when you get that, that'll end up being like the, they'll have the best game in the world, and no one have seen it. Like the best overhead kick ever, the best goal ever, and it's like no one's seen oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You could see there a lot of scissor kicks goals, even from half pits, but. Nobody's there to watch it. Nobody's there. Yeah, it, you know, it reminds me that the, about the best goal I've seen a Villarreal player score was Gerard Bordas scored a goal for the B team, and it was incredible. You can't find a video of it. I saw it. I saw it when it. You know, there was a video when it happened. It was like, oh my god. You know, talk about talk about you know picking the needle out of the haystack or whatnot. You can't find Are you sure that wasn't a dream, Alan? That might no, have been a dream. A dream. It was not a dream. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw it. But um but yeah, I mean you wonder what what, what it'll be like. <laughs> anyway, yeah, any last thoughts from from uh from the rest of you before we wind up? Well, and there's there's one other big debate going on which is about the restriction on media access. Uh, yes. So La Liga has again found a way that they're going to have the cameras in and have their folks in. And it seems like Javi Mata might be able to get in, but none of the photojournalists, etc. So, um, yeah, that's not good for us because we got a lot of really nice photos from um, Marie Jose Segovia, um, who I think now is working for one of the agencies, but she used to be independent and gave us permission to use her photos and um yeah that that kind of thing is not it's it's i understand you need to limit the numbers but it feels like maybe making the access a little more equal for people who are not just the um, radio and tv guys would be good well, i suppose right. if it's and only via, via i suppose if it's only vrl fan employees that are going in there we could say yeah we won nine nil and no one will know so it's great <laughs> You know, so yeah, and, and say we didn't it, win 9-0. <laughs> well, Thomas, uh, and keep in mind that some of these protocols may run through, you know, when the discussion about fans returning seems yeah. like the earliest that it would be some kind of capacity is January. So I think there's always a concern that some of these other rules that are being put in place are, you know, more permanent even after there may be a need. And so, you know, yeah. does this... Does this cause there to be an issue in terms of photojournalists getting access in the future? Uh, uh, yeah. I'm honest, I don't know if all these rules will stick coming September. There's a lot of things that, yeah, they want to do, but at the same time, when you hear them, you feel like, okay, how are you going to do all this stuff? For example, uh, the photojournalism. They need it for the, for the newspapers. What are they gonna do now? What are they gonna print? The face mm. of Tebas? <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> he like might a, like that, Raul. <laughs> the old school 1920s newspaper of like a drawing, a painting of pictures yeah. in the week. Yeah. The best yeah, goal ever. I mean, yeah, what right. are they gonna do? Kids, yeah. Uh, we, yeah. How much? I mean, I think a lot of this will be relaxed. I mean, we have been talking a lot because, for example, all the rules that they are saying for playing football. Okay, now let's talk the amateurs. 
de aficionados. What are they gonna do? They have to have one cleaning crew passing from the passing through the locker room, so they can change the play and later they can't uh, take a shower and they have to go right back to their house. And that in September. And what about the kids? Are they gonna play? Or what are they gonna do? Because we don't have so many fields here to do that. In right. a field on a given Sunday or Saturday in Spain, there are around 100-200 in a small place without mm -hmm. taking into account small towns. I'm talking about a town with uh, 10,000 inhabitants. Around 100-200 in a given Saturday or Sunday at the field. Yeah. So, I mean, all these restrictions, I don't think they will stick. I think when League returns, you will have photographs there, some cameras, some photographs, I think, maybe two or three. And in September, more or less, they will be relaxed a lot with a lot of this. Maybe fans at late November, they could already be there. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw something today that suggested the, the league was looking at some sort of, I have no idea how this would work, but trying to have fans there as early as September, but maybe like 20, 30% of the capacity. I don't know how you manage that. But, you know, it, it all depends on the continued success of management of the virus, of course, which is... A totally thing outside all our all our expertises but if yeah. it turns out that it's that it is manageable then there's a lot of dis decisions to make for the fall you're right you could yeah. just put a fan in a glass box so everyone gets their own kind of little glass box over their seat and then it's fine <laughs> <laughs> right that that uh that works real well until you want to stand up and wave your wh white handkerchief at the crowd right at the at the referee <laughs> It's a bit hard to call, call the referee names from a blocks where no one can hear you. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Only one thing. If I can't, if I can't make myself uh, hurt by the ref, why I want to say something? <laughs> <laughs> because it's because it's in your DNA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go to the field to say to the ref that he's stupid. If I can't, yeah. there's no fun. <laughs> well, the referees are going to have the best experience out of everyone from this because they're no longer getting abused for crappy decisions. They're actually going to be able to do their job, which is quite nice for them. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I, I still hope we don't get Hill, Hill Manzano drawn um, for us, though. <laughs> I don't want to. I thought you said drunk. Then I was like, well, that might that might might help his decisions a bit if we get him a bit drunk. But yeah, yeah. I'll see your point. All right. Okay. Time to wind up this this thing as we talk about drunk ref referees and me dreaming about Gerard Bordas's goal that none of you remember. Uh, <laughs> that, that sounds like an article in itself. Guys, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and see if I can find it. I know it was toward the end of one of the seasons, but but you know I. Yeah, and David Fuster scored it. Remember it? So. I even found an article that said that that had a link to it, but the link was dead. So, 
I know it existed. Uh, I, I was saying, Alan, even David Fuster scored at the Camp Nou. So even that, that's probable what, things have happened. Indeed. And and David Fuster went on to have a reasonable career in, in Greece, right? So, I mean, everything everything works out. So, all right. Well, we'll hopefully we'll get together again um, before the next – Hopefully we'll be a week or two further along toward playing. Actually, two weeks we will be playing, right? And that, isn't that when the first first matches are yep. supposed to happen? Yep. Yep. So Seville hope- Derby, and then that weekend. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be having a uh, podcast to either preview our match at Celta and talk about or talk about what happened. And the one thing we know is it being Celta, it will rain, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's the one thing we know. All right. So anyway, for for Sid, Raul, for Robin, this is Alan. Thank you for listening. End of Aunt Variel. We've all missed football. Hopefully it will be back very soon.